Hey, what's up, my people? Here we are, back again with another episode of the MFA Chronicles podcast. Um, I'm your host, The Zim. Check it out, yo. Here I am. So today we got Larry Lee on the podcast with us today. And uh, before we talk with Larry, I have a few announcements to make. I keep my announcements to five minutes or less. So if you don't want to hear me talk, if you just want to get straight to the conversation with Larry, then feel free to skip ahead. Otherwise, if you do decide to stick around, uh, thank you. Thanks for that. Like I said, I keep it to five minutes or less. Probably get right up on that five-minute mark today. Uh, we'll see. I have no idea. First thing I want to say is, well, first, uh, I have a few first things I want to say. First thing I want to say is, uh, I hope you're doing doing all right. Hope you're staying safe and healthy during this pandemic. Yeah, we're still in a pandemic, and um, it's pretty serious. I think it's pretty serious. I hope you're taking it serious. So wear that mask, social distance, stay at home if you can, do all that good stuff. Be considerate of your neighbor. Thanks, thanks for that. And then um, <clears throat> make sure you uh, vote and donate when it's appropriate. So voting during voting times. In the description of this uh, description of this podcast, there's a uh, couple links. One of them is just kind of if, if, if you haven't donated, I mean, if you haven't voted ever in your life, which I hope you will consider it. So the big thing there is like, you know, we got to vote to make sure that we don't run into a situation where we have to impeach people. <laughs> Let's vote for good people. Let's do it. And the more of us that are voting for the good people, the less likely we'll get bad people in the, in our government. So let's go. Let's do it. So make sure you register to vote. Do the thing. I don't know. I know we're done for this current election cycle, but you know we'll have another one coming up locally or nationally. But um, you just uh, keep keep an eye on when the next one is. I th- I thought they were ever like two years, but I could be wrong. It could be every year, even. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we have to vote on and where where you live and all that stuff. Um, donating is the other thing I mentioned, and um, I you know I believe that the two best ways to make progress and change in our country is to vote and donate. So check it out. I got a link to places to donate, specifically communities of color that could use our support. So let's do it. All right. So something I wanted to bring up just because, just for fun. Uh, nobody asked me this, but it's a little bit of a get to know the podcast kind of thing. And I was thinking the other day that, you know, what if somebody asked me, like, why don't I put numbers on my podcast? Like, I do have two podcasts. One's called We're on the Street, and then there's this one called mfa chronicles podcast and um we're on the street i did number i'm up to like 215 or something so every one of those i put out i number but in doing that process i realized it's really not that important because i like to see the each of these podcasts live as a individual kind of entity all by themselves and there's no hierarchy between which one's more important to listen to at what time um, if you really want to know like the order they came out, you can just look at the timestamp of when they were published and all that stuff. But it's not really that's not important to me because I found especially I found a lot of the podcasts I listen to is really or not listened to a lot of the podcasts I publish are really the, the people that listen to it are highly um, determined by the guests that's on it. Uh, I don't necessarily have a huge built-in audience or anything. So it's like you probably didn't listen to another podcast. You're probably here for the first time because you know Larry. And um, so it really didn't, I didn't find it important to put a number on it because it's like they all kind of live at the same time. Once they're published, all these podcasts kind of essentially live at the same time because they have a story to tell that's specific to the moment they were recorded, but they can be you know, referenced at any time. So that's kind of a, a nutshell of why I don't number them. If you want to learn more about the podcast, it's mfachronicles.com. Check it out. And over there, you can find a link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Zim. If you want to support what we're doing, what we're building here. Like I like to say, I'm trying to create a job versus get a job. So maybe I can create a job and this podcast can be part of it and you can help make that happen. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. Now we're going to get on to this conversation with Larry. All right, let's do this. Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm 
Nice to meet you, man. Living the dream right in this Zoom land, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you as well. If you need to take a break at any point, feel, feel just say like, hey, man, got to get some water or whatever, you know, and we could just take a break. No big deal. Um, uh, other than that, it's pretty chill. We just kind of do it, talk, see how things go. Great. Sounds great. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, keep it casual. And cool yeah, with for sure, for sure. Awesome. I, I like to try to throw out some icebreakers and I try to mix it up. Um, You know, I try not to ask everybody the same kind of get to know you questions. Like we could hang out for a second and just before we get into the serious, like really, uh, you know, hard hitting stuff, we can start with some of the something chill. But yeah, so, so, so last night I, I did a foolish thing and I I started watching um. Uh, Watchmen on HBO Max and yeah. totally binged out. Like I didn't finish the whole thing, so it inspired the. So I just was curious. I want to see if you have any shows, movies, um, you know, serialized shows like Watchmen or whatever that you would totally recommend binging out on or have. Or if you're totally like anti that, you're just like, no, I don't do that. Like, do yeah, have- man, no. Let's start with that. Yeah, <laughs> Watchmen, dude. I'm a huge fan of the HBO Watchmen. I just finished that like like maybe a month ago or something like deep in uh quarantine i i i got that um set like one week subs- free trial or something <laughs> yeah. and then you know i binge watchman too yeah it's so good um it's just so like relevant now even though i think it was you know released maybe like a year ago or something like before everything really hit the fan but like yeah. watching it like recently was it was different it was so good yeah. um i just love you know have you seen like the the watchman movie or like read the comics or anything i've never read the comics but i i do i actually i think i own the movie i've watched it many times and yeah yeah i watched that movie only i didn't want to read the comics either but um watching a movie and then watching the show was uh was really cool yeah I'm really glad they made it. So I was worried. So part of my resist, well, two resistance. I was resistant because I know I just don't have the capacity to, if it's good, I'll just want to keep watching it. So, yeah. and it was, so I just kept like, I was up till three o'clock last night, just watching. Like, like I said, I didn't finish. I was like, no, I got this podcast for, I got things to do. I better, <laughs> I better get some sleep. But, um, but I was worried about that and it happened still anyways. But then the other thing I was worried about is like, them telling the story like in a new way that wasn't wasn't um related to anything i already know about watchmen but i'm really glad it seemed to me like it was just like a continuation it was like a sequel to the movie Mm -hmm. and and so that was i was like oh cool like then i have a reference i have like there's some like this universe they built is still intact so Mm -hmm. i appreciated that for sure yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I'm I'm the same way with movies, man. Oh, I mean TV shows. Like I, I binge everything I start, and I think that's uh, I do that with even art. You know, like I can't really work on something and then stop working on it and come back to it. I can't do that. You know, I just gotta finish what I start. And you know, it's the same with TV shows for me. But yeah, you know, The Watchmen really, um, it was so dope, man. The way they just like, you know, make their own universe, like you said. But it's so you know, it's so similar to our world, you know, it's just like little things are changed and it's like, it's so believable. Like I could picture that as this parallel universe, like, um, and it's just so like, even though, you know, they got like outlandish stuff with like the squids, but it's so like believable. Like if there was superheroes in like um, real society, like that, I'm I'm sure that's how things would play out. You know, it's so political and yeah. uh, yeah well, a lot of deep stuff in there well they relate they they grounded it in character and then they grounded it in stuff that we is like you're saying kind of current advantage type thing like racism is something that's relevant mm-hmm. like always relevant and it's as particularly relevant right now but that's basically a big part of the story they're telling is around racism and racist ideology and stuff like that so it's like every like so many people should be able to relate to this you know no matter where you are on the spectrum and it's just kind of it always boggles my mind with those when like arts and like entertainment and arts especially like you know how often we have these stories about 
like racism, like we're saying, and yet it's still so prevalent. Like, do people just like not watch, like when they see it, do they ignore it or do they just not, do they didn't turn it off because they don't want to face their own issues or like, I don't even know how we can have so many things in our society that are pointing out this, this idea but yet it's still like so persistent and getting worse. I, I haven't figured that out. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the beautiful thing about art and, you know, I'm a huge fan of film and, and, you know, I think that's one of the most, I think, impactful kind of forms of art you can do. It's so readily available and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it relates to, you know, I feel like, you know, with visual art, there's a, a sort of, you know, distance that people feel to it um maybe just because of the history of um visual art but like film i think is has been ac accessible to the public mm -hmm. um you know since the beginning and everyone can relate to these shows and we're seeming seeing like more of these shows with like these heavy political messages and everyone can kind of just watch it regardless of you know how you feel politically and watchmen was so great with you know the parallels can't be can't be denied with you know mm -hmm. um the the roshack kind of terrorist group that was in the in the show and you know seeing the riots from last week it was you know it's kind of crazy watching both of those and putting them side to side and seeing how things just line up perfectly yeah. even though you know this was made way before these riots and it's, it's kind of crazy yeah yeah it's yeah it's intense for sure it's like i don't know we don't have to get so intense so so soon but, <laughs> but yeah bringing but, a watchman just brings you there i know i should <laughs> i i thought that might happen too but i just i the the other side let's 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 play with this question a little bit more though like are there any other shows you're you're digging on um that you would recommend or that you you're like totally like i haven't i personally i have hbo max now because i got it because of wonder woman i wanted to see wonder woman and it was like that was the only way you could see it really and yeah. then i wanted to and i have amazon prime and i have disney plus but i don't have netflix so i don't know anything about all the netflix shows really but uh but yeah there's a bunch of like amazon prime i love like like marvelous miss Maisel, i think is one of the best shows ever and like i don't know like do you have any others that you're digging on or um i'm not sure what am i watching these days you know, I'm I'm a big anime guy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I've been, you know, new season of Attack on Titan. I've been watching that. A lot of cartoons. You know, Rick and Morty. You know, you'll see me with those. Um, Do you read manga as well? Or manga? You know, or not really. I'm not too big of a manga guy. Okay. Maybe back in the day I would, but um, yeah, you know, anime is a, a big thing. Um, What's your you know, favorite? Maybe I, I would start like as a kid you know because of anime i'll start drawing you know so yeah, yeah. i could even say that that you know rock rock shipped my career i don't know awesome. what are you some of your face so like i'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit older than you and um my introduction to anime was basically the one of the holy grails of uh of anime was akira and so I like you know that like blew my mind at the time of watching it i was like what is this all about i was like why can't more animation in general be like this? This is amazing, you know? Yeah. But do you have any of your favorites uh, or any, like, the early days when you first started watching, like, that really influenced you? Let's see. I mean, you know, I got to say Naruto, man. I know it's a little basic, but that was definitely, you know, the the first one I, I kind of really got into. But, um, you know, there's a lot of really impactful ones, I think, stuck with me. I just rewatched Death Note. Um yeah, man, I can't really think of any on top of my head. But Akira, yeah, I, you know, I haven't watched it, but the way that kind of has, like, <laughs> led itself into visual culture is pretty crazy. Like, I would just see clips of Akira and, like, some music to it, like, just randomly on my Instagram feed. Like, it's just everywhere, even though I've, I haven't seen it. Oh, that's yeah. your – you have an assignment. Zim is giving you an assignment is to yeah. <laughs> find it find a good dub because there's multiple different dub, there's like multiple it's there's not one i don't know what to, how to recommend the definitive version of it but you just kind of got to do some research and find the best dub of it or whatever or you could do subtitles if you want but um but it's yeah it's like a movie right 
yeah it's a it's a three-hour epic it's like it's intense you got it's like get your popcorn get yourself ready and just kind of know you're in for it for a while but yeah it's yeah that's dope i'll check it out i'll definitely check it out it's it's i actually watched some of it um recently and because i wanted to check on the uh, how well it held up you know like Cause at the time it's like before this was before like computer generated stuff for sure. Like before a lot of like computerists even assisted, you know, like most of the, you know, cartoons and everything, anime, everything has some element of computer assisted animation at least nowadays. But, and this was all like hand drawn, like, and it looks, there's like, it looks like at times that it could have been generated in a computer because of how sharp they made the image. It's just like really, Really cool, I think. And I, I watched some of it recently to see if it held up. And it does hold up, but you can tell, like, it doesn't feel the same as when I first watched it. Like, now, mm -hmm. because of what we have available, and then back then, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you can definitely tell this is all hand-drawn. But, uh, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah, and it's crazy, you know. It's it's crazy to think about when I'm, I'm watching it, and then, like, you just kind of stop and think, like, people drew this. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, that's why, you know, I got, like, so into, like, figurative work from an early age was because, you know, I've watched a lot of anime and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, uh, so I, I, I do the TikTok thing, and somehow, like, I don't know if they, they say, like, there's this TikTok and that TikTok. I am totally for some reason on anime TikTok. Like when I'm scrolling <laughs> through like anime TikTok, because I like I think it's because I do like the the artistic style. And there's a lot of people that like to draw like anime characters and stuff. And so I'll spend some time on those profiles and then so I'll just see more of them because I like that artistic look of that car. Cause I love cartoons in general. Like even Disney is a big thing. I love Disney. I love, mm -hmm. you know, DreamWorks. I love all the stuff and anime, you know, all of them are just right in there for me yeah yeah I'm, I'm i feel the same way yeah tiktok's so funny you know it's 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 weird how there's just like little subgroups and niche and I, I love the culture that's kind of developed from that and i you know yeah it is funny when people say like oh i'm on this side of tiktok now and it, yeah it's hilarious how that algorithm works like yeah. you watch one video all of a sudden your whole feed is blown up with that thing do it's you, crazy <laughs> so do you, do you spend much time on tiktok yeah, a little bit too much time. <laughs> okay. So what side of TikTok do you tend to happen? Man, man, I'm always on the doggy side, you know, a lot <laughs> of puppies and stuff. Okay. You know, recently I got a lot of, I'm getting a lot of stock talk, a lot of stock TikTok. Which, okay. You know, I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but you know, yeah. um, I don't even do too many stocks, but it was like come up and then like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but it's yeah it's funny you watch one video and all of a sudden yeah you're deep in the hole yeah yeah no i got so i'm on anime tiktok i'm on skateboard tiktok and i'm on yeah. artist tiktok for sure and then uh there's one other thing that's like oh political like i've been there's a couple of political guys that are com like political comedy kind of and also political facts um information heavily heavily uh you know left-leaning is it's not like right-leaning political it's definitely left-leaning political but yeah those yeah, are it's crazy how um tiktok kind of blew up man like you can really get you know i feel guilty every time i'm on tiktok and i'm just learning new things like this and i'm like this is i should not be learning things off of tiktok <laughs> but it's like it's crazy you know what people are doing on that app and um you know with everything there's benefits and um negatives to everything and but, you know, I think I think it's really interesting. Yeah, TikTok's definitely changed the game. I want to talk about I want to jump into social media a little more with you. But um, let's use this. Let's stop right here and just tell me uh, what how you you personally define yourself as an artist. And I've been liking I'm, I'm setting this question up a little bit different these days because I'll say like, you know, somebody like me, I'm asking you. I'm also an MFA. I'm in the art world. But then mm -hmm. there's I've. I think there's also like if your grandma asks you what you're doing, you could give two different answers. So I was wondering if, if that happens for you, you tend to how you who's asking will determine how you answer it. And if you can give me some examples of how you define yourself as an artist. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a big question. That's a tough question. I think um, it's constantly changing for me how I answer that. I think, you know, a few years ago when I was an undergrad, I would be like, 
you know, I'm an artist designer. Um, you know, I would, you know, I'd be swaying both ways. I wouldn't want to define myself because, you know, I was afraid of calling myself an artist and stuff like that. But, you know, now that um, I graduated, I'm like in this MFA program, I've definitely been trying to be a little more committed to that title. And um, yeah, I definitely would say um, I, would, I would call myself an artist first. And then um, I would always go to saying i'm a painter i think okay. you know yeah what is um, spend, spend a little bit of time on why why were you afraid like what was that where that how do you um just or like what does that mean to you being afraid to say you're an artist why were you afraid because of yeah that? yeah i think um you know being an artist is a, a scary thing it's a crazy thing you know it's kind of a, a risky thing you know for people to do i you know my professor in undergrad was he would always say, you know, being an artist is like being a professional athlete, you know, to make it, you, it's like as hard as being a professional athlete, you know, he would always say that. And that kind of, that kind of scared me, you know, I felt like that was a bit dramatic, but you know, <laughs> there's some truth to that, you know, there's um, always risk to who, being an artist. Who was that? Do you mind saying who that professor was? Yeah, he was in my uh, undergrad, really impactful kind of professor. His name's Edgar Arsenault. You should check him out. He I think he went to Cal Arts. He's always been in LA. Um, he teaches at USC now. That's super cool. I want to just tangent off that for a second because that's it's rare for me to hear that relationship. Um, but I also I'm totally I totally uh, agree with that kind of analogy of it because and when I started grad school, one of my like thoughts around the pro being a grad student was the way I was kind of trying to define it for myself was like, I was saying, what's the professional athletes version of going to grad school for art. That was like the way that I, the lens I was trying to look through. Cause for me, I'm a big sports fan. I'm even wearing my Seahawks gear right now. I'm like <laughs> all about like, you know, um, you know, sports in, in, in a lot of ways. And I'm an athlete myself and I've grown up doing that stuff. So it's like, so in the narrative you hear a lot of times in the athletic world is like you know it's like it's it's about all the extra you do it's like how much you put in and how much you're willing to go after it so i really wanted to take that idea and apply it so i don't know i just wanted to throw that out there because i just really read it i'm like wow somebody else basically said the same thing that i was saying like how similar the athlete athletic or being a professional athlete being an athlete and being an artist really is Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an analogy to be made there, you know, um, it's so parallel, the gym, our studio is their gym, you know, the amount of time you put work in the gym is um, gonna determine like how well you, you play in the field on the court and how well we, how much time we put in the studio is gonna determine, you know, um, our whole practice and, uh, you know, it, yeah, what is the um, what is the equal MFA equal in the sports world? That's a good question. You know, yeah. uh, I was just thinking, you know, I watch a lot. Of, I don't watch too many sports, but, you know, I, I watch a little basketball. I kind of follow a little, you know, I wouldn't call myself a big follower, but, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was just watching the NBA draft a, a while ago. And it, it's weird to think that these athletes, you know, they spend like two years, maybe even one year in playing college basketball and then apply for the draft and most MFA programs are two to three years. And it's like, you know, after this, it's like, we're, you know, applying to, you know, trying to get galleries to notice us or anything. Um, so, you know, analogy can be made there, but it's like, you know, just the same for being an artist and being an athlete, there's no one way to do it. Um, there's no defining process. Um, everyone has their own way and it's like you know people can make it through the g league people can yeah. um, play internationally and then get noticed there there's like so many different ways and to um for people to say you know getting an mfa is the only way to do it is just you know it's silly you know yeah oh i agree i agree um so you're saying uh, we we touched on kind of why you're you were afraid you, you mentioned um you're a painter what about in terms mm -hmm. of like that's kind of the practice you do. What about the con the concept, the conceptual part of what you do? Like, how would you say like um, talk to people about the type of work you're making, like this, what you're trying to say with your work, or 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 something like? How do you yeah. answer, how do you answer that? 
Yeah, that's something、uh, I always struggle too. You know, it's like、uh, usually the the questions would be like, you know,、um, what do you do? I'm an artist. You know, what kind of art do you do? I make paintings, and you know, what do you make paintings of? And it's like、uh, I make you know paintings of people, and like, what are they doing? And then it's like you're always avoiding that, you know, deep question because it's like hard. I don't know exactly how to answer myself, you know. And then if I try to answer it, I gotta get like an hour long statement for you or something. So yeah, that is、uh, a hard question to answer for, for well, me. You on、know? your well, here, here, let's start with this one. This is a good place to throw this in. I wrote down on my notes.、Uh, I read your bio, and you said you're you're kind of dealing with cultural amnesia. So I was wondering if you could. Explain that idea for me. Like, what does that mean to you, and and why do you feel like you you're 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 dealing with that, or why do you want to address it? Like, what's that all about? Yeah, that that the that phrase is something、um, I've been saying recently. To you know, I think as I'm going through this MFA program, kind of getting better at describing my work in a simple and easy and fast way to people and. That where cultural amnesia kind of locked in for me, kind of described that feeling of、um, being distanced from my culture growing up in America, but being Chinese American and not having that kind of close relationship to my family because everyone's in the、uh, in China other than my immediate family, and I wouldn't have that kind of relationship with my parents. So that kind of phrase, cultural amnesia, and trying to work through that. Um, through my art was a is a nice way to kind of put what I'm kind of trying to do with my practice right now. So are you、uh, what like what in terms of I guess in terms of like generation? Are were you born in America or where were you born?、Or? Yeah, I was born in America and my parents immigrated here、okay. in the nineties. So you know I always get confused if that's first generation American or my parents are. First generation immigrated here, so、um, it gets kind of blurry in terms of how people want to phrase that. But yeah, I was born here. Yeah. yeah, I always think, I think I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to answer that either. But I think it's your first generation because you were born here. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's like you feel pressure in a way,、um, like to、um, keep kind of a connection to the. To your、um, kind of a cultural, kind of family ancestral、mm-hmm. kind of lineage, but even your、um, born in America. So there's like this kind of conflict of like, how do you relate? Like, how do you、yeah. identify? Like, identity is, I guess, part of what you're struggling exactly, with. Exactly. Yeah. Like cultural identity is a big,、um, you know, just umbrella term for what I'm doing. It's、uh, you know trying to find that. Keep that connection as a you know first born first generation American. Yeah. Does is this kind of idea that you're working with、um, something that you you said you're kind of just recently put it in your bio or something something you recently is is graduate school help did graduate school help push you to discover that idea is has graduate school kind of helped inform what you want to talk about. Is that part of the reason that you're you're kind of talking about it, or is it something that you've always kind of wanted to talk about, and you're just kind of recently getting into? Like, how's that?、Yeah. No, I've I've been、um, you know working with the subject matter of, of like identity and、um, working through that amnesia since undergrad, you know. So、oh, okay, you know, I've been doing it for a few years now, and I think、um, at at this MFA program and through grad school, it's just kind of learning how to like. You know, really find my voice through that because that's so. It's such a big, you know, subject. Everybody's working with identity. Everyone wants to talk about, you know,、um, their history, their story, and、um, it's just a way to kind of specify、um, those ideas. And you know, I'm still working through it, and it's yeah. But you know, it's just thinking about what what is your story to tell. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll come back. We'll come back. Like part of this podcast is like it jumps around. It like whatever. We'll kind of mix it all together as we get going. I'm gonna jump into since I brought up the kind of MFA portion of things. I, I have a set of questions that are kind of just specific to being an MFA, and I wanted to see like why.、Um, just to start off, I always tell us what school you're at, and then tell us like why you wanted to go there and. Maybe that school specifically, but also just 
why you wanted to get your MFA in general. And then, uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah, start there. Like why you wanted to go, where you go why, and why you wanted to go. Yeah, I'm at, um, I'm at Otis, Otis uh, College of Art and Design. They have an MFA program. Um, it's right in LA. It's actually in Culver City. So I live in uh, downtown LA. So it's about like a 15 minute drive. Um, man, why did I want to go there? It's uh, it's a funny story. I, I just, you know, I'm a little younger. I, uh, I went into the MFA right after my undergrad. So um, I went to USC for my undergrad. And, uh, you know, so I spent four years in LA already. I'm originally from the Bay Area, um, came down here for USC. And, you know, I fell in love with LA. And um, after undergrad, I knew I wanted to stay here and uh, look at the, the what schools I could go to um, in the area. And, you know, I had a, a weird senior year, you know, I, I wasn't able to to have a, a graduation because of the pandemic and my year kind of got cut off. Um, I got really lucky. I got to do my thesis show right before the pandemic really hit. But, um, you know, after that, it was like, I kind of had to look at my options and see what I could do. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't actually planning on going to grad school right after undergrad. Cause you know, I think um, I've always been told and I think it is best for people to have that kind of, break in between undergrad and grad school to kind of really find themselves. And I totally agree with that. But, you know, just on the situation of the pandemic and um, having no job lined up and not wanting to go back home empty handed, it was like, you know, I applied to Otis um, as just, you know, just to see what would happen. And so that was the only school I ever applied to, actually. And I heard about Otis a long time ago from, um, I had a professor in my sophomore year of undergrad who was a professor at Otis. He's, his name is Corey, Corey Newkirk. And, um, you know, he was a great professor and always just uh, was in the back of my mind. So when it came to time to apply, I, uh, you know, I just did it and uh, <laughs> it, it worked out. And um, thank God that, um, you know, I'm having a good time and it's, it ended up being a, the right choice even though it was like a last minute decision yeah that's yeah. it that, i find that interesting i feel like i mean that totally makes sense and i think it feels like the first time i've heard a decision making process in that way because a lot of people i feel like are more on the other side like oh we're in a pandemic i'm gonna wait mm -hmm. till after or whatever wait till later to either continue because in my program we had a few students just drop stop because of the pandemic because you didn't have yeah. access to things that you probably want which makes sense you know but in your case you're like well because of the pandemic i'm going to put my do more like that, that's an interesting um i find that interesting yeah. i find that interesting. Yeah. i think about that a lot too it's like did i make the right choice to you know if i waited a couple of years i could have probably or i waited one year i could have probably had an in-person you know experience and had the real experience um but, you know, I instead I chose to kind of go straight into it and not have any kind of like expectations. But, you know, thank God it, it's worked out, you know, and um, even though that we don't have in person, Otis is great, man. They have um, they're still letting us use the studios. So we, we're still able to have that studio space, which is, you know, I feel like the a really important part um, and a lot a big reason why. Um, I wanted to do an MFA program, be able to have a studio. And, but other than that, all the classes are online and, and all the critiques, which is a little tough, but um, it's, it's been working. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the experience a little bit um, mm -hmm. and just what it's like, a couple of things, like tell me what Otis from your kind of influence so far, like what is, what does Otis offer? Like, what do you, what's the, I don't know, kind of the sales pitch of Otis, you know, what is like, why would, yeah. some, why would somebody go there? Like, why would somebody look at it from your perspective? Yeah, I'm a, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm a bad, yeah. I feel like I would be a really bad spokesperson for Otis. <laughs> you know, I'm really um, ignorant with these kind of things. You know, I didn't do a lot of research on um, MFA programs or schools. I kind of just went blindly into it and, 
but you know so i don't know what other mfa programs are are like actually and yeah but you know we talk about what otis is like and the things i like about it um you know i think they just have a, a great you know roster of faculty and mm-hmm. uh, you're able to meet with everybody one-on-one every week they have these studio visits that you sign up for and you really f- i really feel um you know i'm able to get that intimate kind of experience and mentorship from each professor and um the studio space like i said and um yeah i think it's also just i compared to my undergrad experience um grad school just feels a lot more free and independent like they don't really tell you what to do and everything's kind of up to you which you know i really enjoy and it's like um you know you make the experience what it is uh for yourself and if you're willing to put in the work you know it's gonna be um worth it yeah yeah totally yeah similar i mean our stories are kind of similar like i'm in san diego state and um I didn't apply to any other art schools because oh. for me it was just because uh, surrounding circumstances of I moved to San Diego because my kids are here. I'm divorced and my ex-wife wanted to move here and just all that story. And I was like, well, you know, trying to figure out life. And I was like, I'm not trying to move anywhere because I want to be where my kids are. So, oh, there's San Diego State right there. Let me apply there. And so it was like, there's a similarity, you know, it's like, and I, I really only have this one experience. So that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast to see what other people's kind of experiences are and what it's all about. Um, yeah, no, I feel like our experiences are definitely like really similar. It's very circumstantial um, that way we ended up here. A lot of it was also, you know, my parents were like, you know, if you go straight into grad school, we'll help pay for it. Oh, you, you wait a few more years, you're on your own. So it was a lot about circumstances, definitely. So um yeah and i think you know your podcast being able to like connect with other people um around and doing like mfas is like the whole thing um you know about being in an mfa is about you know connecting with your peers and yeah uh, artists around you and that's something i feel like i'm I'm definitely lacking and so i really appreciate you know you making like platforms like these yeah. oh yeah you bet that's awesome I'm, oh thanks for that i but i also wanted to that was my follow-up kind of question in a way is like you know as a your first year right this is your first year mm-hmm. um how have you found that community aspect like um has it been difficult to kind of get to know the rest of your cohort? Um, has there been any efforts to kind of figure that out? Or does it feel like your guys are just kind of on your own right now? Or like, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think um, that's definitely the, the main kind of effect the pandemic has on programs like these, where you're not able to see your cohort. And it's, um, that's a big part of it. You know, I think the collaboration and the, the camaraderie, camaraderie feel with uh, your peers. But, you know, at, at Otis, you're still able to use the studio. So we'll pass by each other, have a little studio visit. So I, I've been getting to know um, the people in my class a little bit. And, it's, okay. you know, that's really great. But I definitely have, um, you know, I definitely struggle with that still. You know, I'm usually just always in my studio, minding my own business. And, you know, that can get kind of, um, I got to learn how to break that yeah. and, like, people but yeah it's been okay i think you know i think hopefully next year things are better you know you will be able to like really meet people <laughs> yeah, yeah and, crossed, right? you know, stuff like um the show we're in the campfa clampha um the, those are really helpful you know be able to um, meet people outside of your school too yeah yeah totally um what is uh what is this? So we you mentioned the studio spaces a couple of times. Like, what it, describe the studio? Does everybody get their own individual space, or do you have to share? Like, what's that all about? Yeah, it's um, man, I don't know how big they are. They're not too. They're not crazy big, but we have our own. Everyone has their um, own, and it's um, it's just like Otis is weird. It's like the MFA studios are. It's like a long hallway. It's like a circle, and um, it's just in the hallway there's just studios on either side and there's a door and um so you know it feels pretty safe whenever i go there um you don't run into too many people so they've been able to keep it open and faculty isn't allowed in there and every time you go you gotta sign up on an app and report your symptoms so they're being really safe and precautious 
And um, yeah, each of us has our own private studio. They're not too big, but um, you know, we're, it, it works pretty well. Yeah. And you're pretty, you're still pretty new in the program. So it's probably hard to have a lot of um, kind of a reference, I guess, for like things with it. But I'm going to throw out this last, this, this question in a way, like, cause I like to kind of see where um, the most challenging kind of parts of being in grad school are. I mean, obviously you're, you're in it right during COVID. So that's the thing mm -hmm. we've already talked about some of that stuff, but is there anything else about either about, um, you know, coming to school that's been, or being in grad school that's been a challenge in a way or something that you wish you knew ahead of time? Like, is there anything about the school in particular um, that you kind of wish you knew ahead of time? And I don't know, you could say there isn't really because you don't have enough experience, but if there is something that, that um, you're like, oh man, yeah, there's, cause you've already mentioned kind of like, oh, well, let maybe let me ask this and then whatever else you're, you're thinking. You mentioned that idea of taking a break like between grad school and, and undergrad and grad school, um, yeah. you know, that's pretty, especially with art, it's pretty highly encouraged to break because, you know, making arts about experience, you know, talking exactly. about your experiences. And yeah. so the more experiences you have, it helps in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. how do you personally feel about that? Like, how have you been, have you had professor, like, have you had that conversation with people while you're there? Um, or how much does that affect your process as an artist? Um, do you feel, does it at all? Or is it just like, eh, I don't know yet, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have talked about that a lot. You know, I think um, uh, it, it, just like you said, being an artist is about, you know, your own experience. And that break is so crucial to kind of like be able to make art outside of the um, institution. And, um, you know, I was afraid a lot of it was like I was afraid if I stepped away from school would I still have that same motivation to make art and because um, you know I think I built this great kind of momentum in undergrad and I want to keep that momentum going and um, yeah so there's just a lot of thoughts about what would happen if I did take that break and I, I'm would I be a better artist or would I have kind of just abandoned art in general you know so it's a lot of um kind of possibilities that I run through in my head and you know I think about it a lot but um you know every time I bring this up with like professors they they always kind of say like you know what you're here you know you can't change that <laughs> it's like you know you already made this decision and you're doing fine and you kind of just gotta like you know go with it and just make it the best you can and I think um you know that going back to like what we were talking about with like sports you know there's no really right way to do it in in the end um you know I remember watching like a talk by Karen Walker Karen Walker Karen yeah, yeah. Walker the, um you know she art I feel like is like one of the fields where you know no degree is gonna call you an artist you know um you just gotta be an artist if you want to be an artist you know what I mean it's just like something you just gotta do and I think uh that in the end this that's that's what I, I think about a lot I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. in terms of um taking a break between the MFA or but yeah I think um I would definitely feel more experienced I feel like and more confident in myself if um I did have a little bit more time who knows who knows yeah. yeah who knows yeah i like to use this section as the kind of advice section like you know it's something to consider what i think i'm getting out of the way you're talking it's like something to seriously consider while you're thinking about this like if you are newly graduating from undergrad and you're going into graduate school for visual art you should spend some serious time on that 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 decision should i go straight into it or should i get some more life experience and do something for a while because i don't know there's not necessarily unless you're straight up design work you know being an artist you're not necessarily guaranteed a job of any kind so it's not like it's not like you're necessarily going it's not like a career path decision it's more mm -hmm. of like a self and betterment decision in in a lot of ways i could art you could argue so yeah. and you can do that at any time so i don't know it's interesting 
Yeah, yeah. Especially with, uh, you know, MFA, it's, it's usually like a terminal degree, you know, like after that, usually you're done, you know. Um, so I think that's something, um, going back to your question about like what you wish you would know um, going into grad school, I guess, you know, feeling like what am I supposed to do after grad school, right? <laughs> like what am I supposed to do with this degree that I have? And um, in terms of, I guess, you know, I want to learn more about kind of, you know, getting a job, what, what can I get a job with this degree? And how can I sustain my life and being an artist um, after grad school? You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that since it came up. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what is it? What are some of those thoughts that you have? Are you allowing yourself to have those thoughts? Because I sometimes stop myself. I sometimes go like, you know what? Let me just focus on grad school. Let me not think too hard about the future. But then at the same time, I still like, well, I still got to be able to afford life when I'm out of here. So like, what am I going to, where am I going to try to put my weight toward? Um, how are you living with that? Like, what is like the blue sky? This would be awesome if I did this, you you know, or, mm -hmm. and then what are some of the other things maybe that you're like, well, I would be content if I could do this or, you know? Yeah, no, I think more people should think like you, man. Like, just be more focused and living in the moment and, I think about kind of things you can't really, you know, predict in the future, but it's like, um, yeah, I think I think a little bit too much about the future and worry about that too much. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the the Asian mom behind me or something, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's always that, you know, fear about, about being an artist for me. But I think, you know, being in grad school has um, really taught me like a studio practice and what it feels like to have, um, have that kind of work ethic to go in the studio every day and clock in and clock out like it's a job and then um you know spending the whole day at the studio and I could really see that as um, a life for me you know kind of um being able to have my own studio being able to just go in and make work um and do that for a living that would definitely be the the blue sky at the end of a tunnel for me yeah <laughs> you know, let's talk about um Let's talk about studio practice a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I have some questions around that. Like one of the ones I, I tend to ask is, you know, what is it like, like put yourself, give us, paint us the picture, right? Of you're in your studio. Like, what do you, are you like a, you like it quiet? Are you a, turn the music on and crank it? Are you a headphones? Are you a podcast person? Are you a, like, what do you do to set the environment so that you feel the most productive? Like for me, I'm going to set this, I'm going to play a little bit too. For me, it's like, I have to have, it has to start co completely clean. Like everything <laughs> has to be like done, you know, and then I go, cause you mentioned earlier, you like, you like to just go in you like work on one project and finish it. You said, finish mm -hmm. what you start, you know, like, so that, that plays into this kind of studio practice a little bit. So, so to explain your, your practice at this point, where are you starting to settle into? Like, how do you like to work when you're in your studio? Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've developed kind of like a ritual yet, but, um, you know, I definitely, I'm always listening to something, you know, whether it's music or uh, sometimes I do have like a podcast day, but, um, you know, I, I usually like with, if no one else is like next door, I'll, I'll be blasting music, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I have to, you know, every time I go to Stu, it's like a 15 minute drive. So I always have this kind of thought in my head is like, before I leave the studio, like something has to be done, you know what I mean? Oh, like okay. I just go to the studio and chill. Like usually, um, you know, I try to get a good amount of work done and um, I'm in there for a while. So that's kind of how I think about it. Um, and that's, you know, I wasn't able to have that kind of luxury in undergrad. Um, because, you know, studio space is kind of like based off of when you have class and stuff, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's pretty uh, different coming into grad school and having your own studio and be able to get that kind of um, kind of getting used to like going in and working and going out like a job. Yeah. 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 What what's your schedule like? Like, do you have so with the pandemic, maybe this plays into pandemic stuff a little bit for me? the pandemic has allowed me to really settle into a rhythm that my body just likes. Like I tend to get up at 10 and go to sleep at two. And then within that window, I usually get productive around 5 PM and I usually work from 5 PM till about midnight. And then, mm -hmm. so it's like, that's usually my kind of 
like general flow, like when there's nothing else on my schedule, if I'm working for myself and doing my own thing, that's kind of where I like it to be. Have you found anything like that for yourself? Like what are you uh, like to get to the studio early in the morning? Are you like to stay wait late at night? Like, how do you like to like, when do you, what time of day do you find yourself most productive? Yeah, I've, I've, you know, this past semester, I've noticed myself mostly going in the studio, you know, in the afternoon and kind of staying um, for a few hours until it's nighttime and uh, coming back late and, you know, knocking out. So, yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a night owl, definitely. And I definitely, you know, is am more productive um, during the later part of the day. But, yeah, I'm definitely uh, – that's the one thing I'm grateful about this pandemic is, like, you know, there's nothing going on in the world to distract you from – just going in a studio and putting in hours because it's like, you know, I'm not going to no party. I'm not going to no club. So it's like the only thing I can do is just stay in the studio. And um, I'm grateful for that. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of the stuff we were talking about earlier about um, uh, social media, you know, do you use social media with your work at all? Like what's your relationship with social media and your work? Do you have a relationship there? Do you want it like I found a lot of being in grad school, I found sometimes like it's it's it feels to me like it's considered a bad word sometimes. Like when you say Instagram, like people are like, oh, Instagram, they can't, you know, don't put your art on it. Not not so much. Don't put your art on it. But there's there's definitely like a uh, a biased kind of viewpoint of what social media means for artwork. And so I just wondering, do you have any have you felt any of that? Do you not agree with me? Do you agree with me? Do you like, do you do things specifically for like TikTok? I've been making like these time-lapse portraits for TikTok specifically for TikTok and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, and then it's like, I don't know, are they, where do they live in this art making process? I don't know, but. Yeah, yeah, no, art is definitely, I feel like the art world is so different now, you know, because of social media and it's, people are just kind of, you know, they're making their whole career off off of the internet now and um people are so dependent on it now and that's how a lot of people get you know um how get their art out there and so how i discover a lot of artists and there's good and bad to everything and it's uh you know i don't i I don't exactly have you know my work doesn't have too much of a relationship with social media other than kind of using it as a tool to to share it to Mm -hmm. the world and um but, you know, I think the art that's able to come out of kind of this internet age is so interesting. And it's like, um, yeah, you know, I, I wonder what art's going to look like a few years down the line. You know, we're having virtual shows nowadays and, you know, a few few years later, you know, put on a goggle and you're in this gallery. <laughs> and yeah. you're in this whole world. Like art's going to be key. It's going to evolve with technology and um yeah kind of gotta just adapt to it and um so yeah there's always gonna be people that are gonna you know look down on instagram or the internet but yeah. you can't you know deny that things are changing and you you gotta change with it yeah how has um you mentioned this virtual kind of aspect of art viewing right and it's kind of something we have to we're considering just being you know in the zoom land that we're in and how we're showing work and how we're being critiqued and Explain maybe some of the ways Otis and you and and your professors have solved some of this disability to show work for, to each other. Like, what's the what's the narrative around it for you guys? And what do you do? And how do you show your work? Do you have like a, a do you still set up work in a physical space and people actually go see it, or do you all do it over photos? And what have you learned? yeah that way like has it changed your artwork at all because you have to do it that way you know as a as a painter you know you know i'm pretty privileged you know we're able to kind of just take a picture of what we've painted and share our screen and it's pretty easy you know and um you know as a sculptor or a installation artist you know things are a little more difficult you know it's you don't have the luxury of being able to see works in person and Otis has been doing, you know, you're able to, we have gallery spaces inside the studio where you can install your work. And then um, we have this camera that you can hook it up to and you're able to live stream it. Um, so some people do that, but mostly, you know, if you're a 2d artist like myself, you kind of just, you're able to share your screen. And yeah, so well, yeah, things have been, 
pretty lucky with for me for that yeah well have you found so some of your work is like collage based mm -hmm. and there's like so there is this like sculptural element that yeah. there's layers involved mm -hmm. um have you found that the translation of like when you look at it yourself when you're making it and then you take a picture of it 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 just flattens it all so yeah. has it yeah. um how has that related to you? Like, has that taught you anything about your work? Um, and going like, oh, well, maybe I want it to be the photo more than I want it to be the actual physical thing. Or are you like, well, I'm losing something. Like, have you had that conversation at all? Yeah, no, that's an interesting thought. I think, you know, we're seeing a lot more works that exist in this digital space um, exclusively now, you know, um, but for me, I think uh, one issue I have is, is and also with scale, you know, it's hard yeah. to see scale through this platform. And um, I'm not sure if this has changed the way I work at all, but it's definitely affected kind of how we do critique and how people are, see um, my work. And um, a lot of times, you know, my, my classmates would like come see it in person after they see the critique and they're like, oh, yeah, this is like way different than what I thought, you know what I mean? So that's one of the, definitely one of the hard parts about trying to do this um, kind of new style of critique and classes through Zoom, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to like, honestly, I'm trying to make the, the photo or the video mm -hmm. kind of more of the artwork than the piece itself. Like yeah. I'm trying to go like, okay, I made this piece but let me make the video about it, the artwork, you know, in a way. That's kind of where I've been with it a little bit. Um, not yeah. not 100%, but it's like lives there for sure. So so I'm not, so I don't allow myself to do like, well, it's just not going to be the best until you can see it in person. It's like, well, we're stuck in Zoom land. So it's like, you got to do something. Yeah, I don't know. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's beautiful how art has, has been able to change and adapt from this pandemic and um i think that's a great example of it and I, something i've been thinking about a lot is like different versions of the same piece you know you can have your physical piece you can have a video of the piece and it's um they all exist in their own kind of realm and uh i think that's that's a beautiful thing about it too yeah how have you have you had the have you started to have the conversation of so painting right is like one of the traditional you know kind of pillars of the art of, of the fine art world and you know there's some people that kind of i don't know say like pa painting is dead it's like been done it's like there's nothing new to say um yeah. or something like that or or how do you if you've had that conversation or if you've been around that conversation how do you internalize it and what do you say back to it or how do you because i know like we just mentioned a lot of you, you have collage work so you are pushing the boundaries of what painting means you're not just painting on a canvas exclusively and that's all you ever do it's like there are elements of collage work and just different ideas that you're presenting to painting so i wonder mm -hmm. if that plays into like how do you what's how do you advance how are you trying to advance the, the form of painting i guess is a way to put it yeah no that's a that's a big question that's um something that's uh you know like is painting still relevant that's so true like it's such an old form of art and it's it's crazy to, to think about what, you know, people will be making in the future. And like I was saying about, you know, just everything will just be this digital space and how will painting, you know, survive. Um, but, you know, someone I, I really look up to, um, I, I, I really like Avery Singer. Um, she's a, she's an artist that does these huge paintings with, um, with uh, spray paint, spray, uh, what do you call that? Airbrush and, um, but she's digitally kind of making them first in the in this program and then kind of projecting them on these canvases and then creating them with her own hand with this airbrush and um you know i think that's a, a beautiful way to kind of see how paintings evolved and using these new processes with um utilizing these digital programs but still kind of realizing the work in this traditional manner using your hand and that's something i i, I think about and use myself you know i take these um different images from from history from my own culture from my family and i'm collaging them digitally and then you know i'm kind of gritting the canvas and then 
kind of transferring this digitally created kind of composition through my body onto the canvas. And that using these different technologies and, um, you know, back in the day, you wouldn't be able to kind of like take all these pictures and digitally combine them. You would have to, you know, kind of figure a way out you by yourself. And um, I think that's an example of how this kind of old process has adapted and into this new kind of um, age of technology. And I think it's beautiful. And I think it definitely will keep on going, you know, um, even though it's such an old practice, people are still finding ways to push it, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I think I, I think I have like one more question for you and I think we got it. So, yeah. so let's, uh, let's, uh, I'll give you this one last one. If I, maybe, I don't know. I always hedge myself because sometimes you might say something that I'll be it's like, oh, we should talk about that more. But um, sure. <laughs> but um, it's basically where where in your process, where in your career, where in your life have you felt you've um, learned the most about art and art making and your process and how has it um, influenced your practice like that? Like whether it be, I don't know, somebody from your high school or, or your mom or just some random person you met down the street one day and they said something and you're like, Oh my God, that's, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, that's a, um, it's a hard question. I think I, I would say maybe just like talking to people um, mm -hmm. in general, you know, I know that's a big kind of umbrella answer, but um, I think when you're making work and then having these critiques and um, having people kind of comment on stuff, it kind of makes you realize um, something about your own work. I'll give you an example. I was, I made a painting about, um, about this history of mine and someone, uh, someone was like, you know, this history isn't exactly, you know, accurate or, uh, this isn't exactly what happened in history. And it was, uh, kind of like triggered something in me where I was like, you know, I guess I wasn't trying to think of accuracy or, I wasn't exactly trying to portray history in an accurate manner. And I was trying to think of it from my own perspective. So conversations like these kind of just start triggering different um, ideas and different ways of uh, thinking about how I approach my work and talk about it. So um, I think, you know, in general, it's just conversation with different people, like the like conversations I'm having right now, or even with regular people who are just not part of the art world. So um, I think that's how I learned the most about um, art as a as a tool of communication. Because um, I think when people start talking about it, that's when you start to see like why you actually make it and what it's actually what this object in the world is actually doing. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's great. That's great. Is there any is there any parting kind of ideas or philosophies or like you just laid out kind of one philosophy, but is there any kind of things you've, you've you want to mention as we kind of wrap this up? Um, or, or shout outs? You want to give any shout outs? Like, no, I mean, shout out to you, Zim. I think, you know, I think it's so important for us to um, be talking and connecting with, um, you know, people around you at a time like this. You know, it's hard to, to really meet people right now and um, talk about your art or talk about your ideas. And, you know, we're all getting used to this uh, Zoom kind of platform. So I think uh, it's really important to have these conversations. And, um, yeah, no, I'm really grateful for you having me. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> it was a pleasure for sure. And if there's anything that comes up in the future, like a, a show or something that you want to let the world know about that you want to talk about specifically, you know, hit me up and we'll do a podcast about it and, like, make it happen you know and then, i got this again thank yeah, you so much man. yeah you bet i definitely want to check back in especially with the people that have like start oh well especially everybody but but like your situation you're you're kind of new to the to to your mfa mm -hmm. and then what like when you graduate or when you're about to graduate like having another conversation just to see we could kind of like check you know between the two it's like oh that's yeah this is kind of changed for me you know like yeah. this is you know now that I've done it, here's some more advice that I could give about being an MFA, you know. Yeah, kind of that'd be super interesting having like a, you know, seeing where I'm going to be, um, you know, a year from now and how my ideas have changed after that. Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be great. We should definitely do that. Yeah, I like to think of these as like time capsules, right? 
because mm -hmm. they're just like they're re we're recording this moment in time and how we've been affected and then it's like and then we can do it again and see how things change but yeah definitely yeah i feel that awesome all right well um i'm gonna hook up your you know instagram and your website on the description of this podcast so people can check that out um but yes yeah, larry it was it was great talking with you um i'm gonna end the podcast now don't hang up yet because i'll talk to you off air for a second all right yeah peace <laughs> thanks right. bro thanks a lot all right all right we made it to the end of another version of the mfa chronicles podcast thanks a lot for hanging out um really appreciate it this is what we call credit real time it's credit real this is where we shout out all the current patreon supporters 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 um we got rowan chamberlain michael knapp and matthew bacher are all the current patreon supporters and you can become a patreon supporter as well just check out patreon.com slash the zim i have uh, tier levels starting at one dollar i think i have one five and ten and then i jump to 50 and then i jump to 100 in terms of incentive tiers but you can also just pick any amount you want and if you don't you can pick a any incentive tier and pick any amount you want so that's kind of what's going on there and you could pick any amount you want and not pick an incentive tier just be like i'll just donate you know those kind of things um i'd appreciate it uh that'd be sweet that'd be so sweet if we can make it happen that way because uh, we all gotta live right we all gotta survive all right that's about it i think i did it did we do it i think we did it thanks a lot for hanging out if you have any questions for me uh feel free to reach out you go to mfachronicles.com uh, find some contacts there i'm on instagram at underscore the zim i'm on twitter at the zim s t h uh, that STH stands for Studio 1200. And then I'm on TikTok, which we talked about on the podcast, at the Zim, just straight up. I managed to snag that because I jumped on, I don't know if you know how TikTok works. It was Musical.ly before it was TikTok. And I jumped on Musical.ly like right when it came out. So I was able to get the handle that I want. I wish all my social handles were the Zim and that's it. But yeah, they're not. Uh, what else? You know? And then there's emails over there on, on the, the website. But yeah, until I talk to you again, be loving, kind, and patient. Peace.